Hey guys, welcome back to a another week of the transfer. Now Moses is so big, and excuse me, there's a mosquito flying around me, and I got it. Moses is so big that we are breaking it up into two parts. So we're taking on part two of Moses, and again, I'm Jared, and this is Pastor Beck, and we are going to take it from uh, a recap. Now we talked to, last week. We talked about the birth of Moses. And how that all went down and how uh, the Egyptians were starting to take out some of the Israelite babies. But God had a plan for Moses from the start. Moses then grows up in Pharaoh's house and then kills an Egyptian and then flees to Midian. And then he is interrupted by God at a burning bush. Now I'm going to pick it up from that burning bush moment. Yep. And where, where Moses and God have had a bit of a, a tussle about whether Moses is the right person, should... Should uh, God send Moses or someone else? And then Moses says, this is Exodus 4, and then Moses says, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. For they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord, said, the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses ran, <laughs> Moses ran from it. Sorry, I've just never noticed that before. <laughs> so he's got his staff, he's thrown it on the ground, it's turned into a serpent, and he starts to run away from it. Anyway, that's cool, moving on from that. Um, but the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe... The, the, they, may, they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fa- fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was lep- leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or will listen, or will listen to the first signs, that they may believe the latter sign. If they do, if they will not believe even those two signs, or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile, pour it on the dry ground, and the water you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. Interesting that it says become blood on the dry ground, not become like blood, but become blood mm. on the dry ground. Interesting. So, what do you make of that? Well, I want to, I, I think it's interesting. If you have a look at verse 2, the Lord says, um, what is that in your hand? Like God didn't know. God's, God's really good at asking questions he knows the answer to. He already knows the answer. He already knows the answer. And I think God places in our hands what he wants us to, to use for ministry. You know, if, if he's asked you to serve in kids' ministry, he's already placed in you all that you need. Uh, to be able to do it doesn't mean you don't refine those skills or train or you know learn how to do do it a different way I'm not saying that but the the core of what you need he's already given you yeah and I think that's the lesson we can learn from this with Moses is that God will use a staff now a staff is not used to part the seas a staff is not used to turn into snakes what is a staff used for to shepherd sheep and God uses who he is and what he was used to almost as a little bit of a bridge to where he's going to go in the future. Mm. And it's not like it's not like Moses. It's like God had to download all this theological information, all this Bible knowledge. Not that they had a Bible as we had a Bible now. He just took what the skills that he had, and took 
the job that he was doing and was able to use that for his for his purposes for his massive exodus story which we, we shall get to so um obviously the moses will then go and use the stuff mm-hmm. uh later on in the story when he is attempting to um persuade persuade pharaoh but Moses, um, so he has this moment with God. Yes, God's going to use what's in my hand. And then he will go and return to Egypt. Uh, verse 18, that Moses went back to his father-in-law Jethro and said to him, please let me return to my relatives in Egypt and see if they are still living. And his father-in-law said, go in peace. I wonder if he was hoping he was like, no, you can't go. Oh, sorry, God. My father-in-law said I couldn't go. Sorry, find someone else. So Moses will return to Egypt. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tells Jethro to see his family. And in the wilderness, he will meet Aaron. He says, now the Lord had said to Aaron, go and meet Moses in the wilderness. So he went and met him at the mountain of God. Lots happens at that mountain. Yeah. And again, God is providing everything that the chosen person needs. Everything that Moses needs, including his support person. Mm. This Moses needs a good support person. Everyone does. Every David needs a Jonathan Mm. and every Moses needs an Aaron. Every Aaron needs Moses. So Moses told Aaron everything the Lord had sent him to say and about all the signs he'd commanded him to do. And then Moses and Aaron went and assembled all the elders of the Israelites. Uh, Why does Moses need Aaron? Is there something about he's not good at very good at speaking? Okay, where did Moses grow up? Uh, in Pharaoh's house. Where did Aaron grow up? In uh, Midian or as a slave in Egypt? I don't know the answer to that one. I think you'll find as a slave in Egypt. Hmm? Uh, and so Aaron is in with the people. Yeah. Aaron knows the people. If I and he if has I was connections a, with the people, and I could understand completely why the elders and the Israelites didn't really want anything to do with Moses. What because who talks? Have a look at verse 30, thirty. Who's going to talk to the elders? Aaron repeated everything the Lord had said to Moses. Well, hang on, Moses is there. He could have told them himself. Aaron is telling them because Aaron has a relationship with these people because he has lived amongst them. Moses was in the palace. And in the wilderness, he was not uh, living among the Israelites as kin. Yeah, as a slave. Yeah. Yeah. Be, yeah. That would be hard. Like, Moses is like... And for the Israelite people, would be like, mate, you grew up in the palace. What do you know about slavery? Why are you here to help us? You know what I mean? And, like, and they've done it the right us. way because the result is that the people hear Aaron and um, they hear everything the Lord had said to Moses, they believe them, and when they heard the Lord had paid attention to them and had seen their misery, it says here in verse 31 of um, Exodus chapter 4 that they knelt low and worshipped him. And so then we will go on to see that Moses and Aaron will go in and confront Pharaoh. How would they even get that audience? Like, how would they even... Like, how would they even get in there to... I don't know. Did you ever sing that? Pharaoh, Pharaoh, ooh, baby, let my people go. Uh, ooh, I do. Uh. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So this this whole scenario will play out where Moses and Aaron will go to Pharaoh and say, God says, let my people go. Mm. And Pharaoh says, nah. No. And when he says no, 
Moses says, okay, well, here we go. And then begins the whole ten plague scenario. Mm. He pulls out He pulls out his first trick of turning the staff into a serpent. And then uh, it just escalates from there. Yeah. Um, I cannot name all the ten plagues off by heart. That's all right. I've got, I, can do a quick, I can do a quick summary if you want. Go for it. So the... Uh, but it's interesting though because like Moses does the whole here's my staff now it's a snake but Moses' magicians are able to do the same thing and it's interesting that that Moses' staff ends up eating up all the Egyptian staff uh, Egyptian magician staff it's kind of like my God saying my stick snake is better than your stick snake but after that we have the water turning to blood the Nile River was a very important river in uh, Egypt where you needed that for food and that got turned to blood the second plague uh, frogs started coming up out of all the places and it was pretty gross and before that every time Pharaoh, uh, Moses goes to Pharaoh mm. he will use this statement God says let my people go now listen so they may worship me. Moses is remembering God saying, it'll be a sign, Moses, when they are at the mountain of God worshipping me, you'll know I sent you. And so he's saying to the Pharaoh, let them go so they will worship. So they had a purpose. The reason that they needed to get out of Egypt was so that they could worship God in freedom in the way that they were meant to. Yeah, because the, 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 the way that they would go to worship, from what I understand, would have been offensive to the Egyptians. Yeah. Like they couldn't, they couldn't worship God in the way that they wanted to, or the way that was required around the Egyptians. They yeah. had to go somewhere else. But and it's like, yeah, it's interesting reading that as a kid. I was like, it was they just asked to go worship. They didn't ask to go to be free and not be slaves anymore. It just started with just let them go. Let them go. Yeah. But you, yeah, water turned to blood. Then the frogs. Then the gnats. Then the swarms of flies. Then the fifth plague was the death of all the livestock. The seventh plague's hail. Ever had hail at your house that just like... Um, but we it, got the sixth, the boils. That was one that I always thought would never be fun. The sixth plague boils. Oh, that, hail, that would be gross. Um, and then the eighth plague would be the locusts. I mean, I mean, mosquitoes are bad enough. Can you imagine the gnats and the, the locusts? Like, we think COVID's bad enough, but this would have decimated their way of life. Yeah. Like, decimated it. And then um, number nine was darkness, where mm. the earth was the land of just absolutely dark. But it's interesting, uh, from what I remember, and I'm going to quickly look th- at this now, like the part of the place where the Israelites hung out, where, where they had their neighborhood, that wasn't in darkness. They had light. So God was able to put the darkness over here and put the light over here. So very interesting that the, the in, um, well, in this plague, at least, the Israelites weren't caught up in it. Yeah, it says it right here in verse 23. Yet all, even though Egypt was in darkness for three days, uh, one person could not see one another. There were no streetlights. And for three days they did not move from where they were. They were mm. in lockdown. Mm. Yet all the Israelites had light where they lived. Yeah. So God's making a point. Yeah. Let my people go. Yeah. And then we get to the tenth plague, which was... Um, yeah, just a huge, a huge, uh, what am I trying to say here? Huge, it was a huge devastation, I suppose. So go from when we, so if you, when you cut back in, go from then we get to the 10th plague. And then we get to the 10th plague where uh, the Lord said to Moses, I'll bring one more plague on Pharaoh. 
and on Egypt, and after that he will let you go from here. And when he lets you go, he will drive you out of here. Now announce to the people that both men and women should ask their neighbors for silver and gold items, and the Lord gave the people favor with the Egyptians. And in addition, Moses himself was very highly regarded in the land of Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and the people. So Moses said, this is what the Lord says. It's interesting, like, I think, I thought would have thought he would be public enemy number one, not highly favored. Like, you are the man that's brought... Haven't you seen the Prince of Egypt, Jared? Oh, I have, but not for a very long time. Oh, they loved him. But like, <laughs> like you, you've brought all these plagues, you've devastated our economy, you've devastated our land, like, we're not, we're going to take ages to get all our food system, like, I... Like, in my head, he should be public enemy number one. Yeah, so God says that the death of the firstborn, that each firstborn uh, will die. But he says, he gives instructions to the Israelites, and this is where you get, you may have heard this term Passover, which often when we have communion or even at Easter, we may refer to this quite a lot because there are symbolic contextual things from, you know, back in the day that draw um, us with the crucifixion and... And even the Passover, even the last is still, Passover is still celebrated in Jewish families. In Jewish Absolutely. Families, so. It's very much even to this day. And so right here is where the Passover, because the angel of death will come, and instead um, of coming into the Israelites' homes, just like with the ninth plague that they are in light, God had a plan of escape for his people, even amongst the devastation. Yeah. And the plan of escape was put the blood of the lamb on your door post, and when I see it, the angel of death will pass by. I wonder, kind of wonder if any Israelite was, nah, I don't, I don't reckon I need to do that. I don't that. think so. I don't think so. I think either. by that time they've <laughs> had 10 plagues, they can see what's happening. Quick, get that blood on the doorpost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the angel will pass over, hence the name Passover. And we will see all of those, um, all the devastation that's brought on Egypt. Now, listen, we all go, oh, why would God bring all that devastation? God gave Pharaoh 10 chances. Mm. I mean, he didn't start with the death of the firstborn. Yeah. He started with, you know, yeah. with um, the Nile turning into, you know, blood. blood and frogs. Okay? He didn't start all out. Yeah. And he gets, and Pharaoh even gets a warning before the 10th plague. He like, gets warnings. He gets, I mean, so this guy is being given, like, obey God or there will be consequences, you know? Mm. And Pharaoh plays with fire and prays plays with the living God and loses because here uh, all of a sudden and then Pharaoh will be begging them to get out and which takes us I guess all the way to chapter 14 where the people of Israel Moses is now designated leader Mm. Moses you have like okay Pharaoh is now going go go get out of here I don't want any more devastation on my land so Moses says okay so he takes I mean, we're talking a lot of people. Yeah. Probably a million or more people out. Um, and as they're going out, they are heading to the promised land. But all of a sudden, Pharaoh changes his mind and goes, hang on, why am I letting them go? Mm. I mean, you can just see who's going to do all the work around here. Yeah. We're letting all these slaves go. What? How? We can't do that. Who's going to build my sphinx? And he, right. <laughs> so he begins to send... Uh, it says, verse 5 of chapter 14, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about the people and said, what have we done? We have released Israel from serving us. So he got his chariots ready and took his troops with him. He took 600 of the best chariots and all the rest of the chariots of Egypt with officers in each one. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the Israelites who were going out defiantly. So here we have 
you know, they're on, uh, in their chariots with their horses and they are chasing down the people of Israel. Now, we, we read it and we go, oh, it's fine. Like, they've got a bigger group. I mean, they're freaking out. If I was one of those people of Israel... Um, you would hope to be at the front, more to the front. 100%. I don't want to be at the back with all those, get me in the middle of the pack. <laughs> yeah. And they go, I mean, God says some amazing things to Moses here that, I mean, we could spend a whole podcast talking about them alone. But if you look in verse four, 13 of chapter 14, it says, But Moses said to the people, Don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation, and he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. And you must be quiet. The Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to break camp. As for you, here's this trusty old staff, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I mean, this is like next level. Picture a huge big waves that are moved all night long as they walk through this sea. I mean... This is not like a nice little pathway or trek. It's not like going to bushwalking where there's a trek already made. This is going through something that wasn't made to be walking in. Mm-hmm. They were walking through the sea. My uh, One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 77, and the psalmist will reference this very thing. Um, I'll read it to you. It says... This, it says, uh, God, your way is holy. What God is great like God. You are the God who works wonders. You revealed your strength among your peoples. With power, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. And then it says this about the Red Sea crossing. Verse 16, the water saw you, God. The water saw you, it trembled. Even the depths shook. The clouds poured down water. The storm clouds thundered. Your arrows flashed back and forth. The sound of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Lightning lit up the world. The earth shook and quaked. Your way went through the sea and your path through the vast water, but your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Uh, It's one of my, my life psalms that God often will use the very thing that is an obstacle to us as a pathway for his uh, deliverance. So then they will get to, um, you know, the other side. And um, there are some really big things that happened there. Exodus 20, Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments. Big deal. On Mount... Sinai, Horeb, whatever it's called. Right. And what will happen while Moses is getting those commandments? Uh, Golden Calf. Aaron takes over for a little bit and he wasn't really designed to take it over because when he does, the people hoodwink him and they build a golden cup. I mean, God's just done this huge miraculous thing for them and... They build another God. Yeah. Oh, I have to go back and tell you. When they got to the other side, um, Moses' sister, Miriam, and all the girls had their timbrels, which I love the fact that of all the things they packed... Mm-hmm. Um, to carry across the sea. They made sure that their praise was in their pocket. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they got to the other side, they began to worship and praise God. And remember, that was going to be a sign to Moses yeah. that God sent you. And there's, there's a lot that happens in Moses' life. Um, you know, leading this Israel, taking him around the wilderness, striking a rock and getting water from it. 
twice. There's a, there's a lot that happens. And then he his ending kind of seems a bit sad. It does. Yeah. Because you would expect this mighty man of God, this look at all that he's done, whatever, and he will not be allowed into the promised land. He'll be able to see it. He'll be able to see it. But not go in. But he doesn't go in because... Because he did not... It's hard. It's like... I mean, he, he struck, sent the spies out. Yeah, he, he, he struck the rock when God said to speak to the rock. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, he he played with God. Mm. And I think it's a reminder to us that, you know, God looks at all of our actions. He doesn't just, you know, oh, well, I'm going to sum up the total of their life and this will be... It's not like that. Every day we need to be living for him. Every day we need to be obeying him. Every day we need to be following him and obeying him. Okay, as we finish, what is your big takeaway from the life of Moses? I think boldness. Like, that's something that I would struggle with because I, I think, like, I, I struggle to be bold and, and f- do what I think God is asking me to do, like to have the guts to kind of do it and to know that God has my back in... Know that God has my back in in everything he's asked me to do, that would be what I take away. And I do love, like, though we never got to see, though we never got to see the promised land, like, he had a beautiful relationship with God, and that's something that I take from from the life of Moses as well. So much so that God buries Moses. Yeah, yeah, what right. a, yeah, there was a relationship that he had with Moses. He would go into the cloud, he would, uh, the tent, and he would be with God. He would lead. And it wasn't just like, God was the master and Moses told the Israelites what God said to do. There was, yes, that was part of it. Yes, that was part of it. But yes, that was part of it. But there was a relationship there. There was a friendship there. Yeah, I think um, I'm going to end with this in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, so remember... um, Moses never made it in, but he did make the hall of faith. In Hebrews 11, it says, By faith Moses, after he was born, was hidden by his parents for three months because they saw that the child was beautiful and they didn't fear the king's edict. By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer with the people of God rather to enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. For he considered reproach for the sake of Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt since he was looking ahead to the reward. Verse 27, by faith, he left Egypt behind, not being afraid of the king's anger. For Moses persevered as one who see, as one who sees him who is invisible. I mean, that's like, that's amazing that he sees God even though he doesn't see God. Yeah. It says, by faith, he instituted the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that the, the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch the Israelites. By faith, they crossed the Red Sea as though they were on dry land when the Egyptians attempted to do this. They were drowned by faith. The walls of Jericho fell down. I mean, you it'll go on to name all these different things that if Moses hadn't have got them to the point that they could cross into the Jordan, that they could cross into the promised land, then uh, the works of God wouldn't have continued in the way that it did. So Moses is a legend in the Hall of Faith. Beautiful. Shall we leave it there? Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you for partly hanging around for part two of Moses. I hope you've learned a lot from this character because he's a, he's a big deal. We'll chat next week. Thanks, Beck. Thank you. See you again.